The market for cannabis-infused foods and beverages is red-hot. A report on the state of the cannabis industry released by marijuana delivery service Ease found that edibles became the most popular product category among all age groups and major markets in 2020. Infused beverages in particular are having a moment in the sun. Trade publication Marijuana Business Daily found that sales of THC-infused drinks grew by 40% last year. Interest isn't limited to foods and beverages that contain THC. CBD-infused products are also incredibly popular. A recent report by DBMR forecasts that the global market for CBD edibles will grow by a compound annual growth rate of 25% between 2020 and 2027. Today, we are speaking with Keith Wolfel, Director of Research and Development for Caliper Foods, one of the world's premier manufacturers of shelf-stable, water-soluble, hemp-derived cannabinoid powders, including CBD, to showcase some of the new solutions available to food and beverage manufacturers. Welcome to another episode of Particulate Matters, a podcast for dry particulate and bulk solids professionals, produced by Powder and Bulk Solids. I'm John Forrester, Managing Editor of PowderBulkSolids.com and your host. We're joined by Keith Wolfel from Caliper Foods, who's going to explain the ins and outs of water-soluble cannabinoid powders and how manufacturers can incorporate these ingredients into their processes and products. All right, Keith, so uh, cannabinoid powders are, are relatively new to the food ingredients, um, food and beverage ingredients market. For those listeners that might be aware, unaware of these products, can you tell us a little bit of just about how what they are and how they work? Sure, they're typically water-soluble powders, they're flowable, and typically ranging from about 5 to 20% cannabinoids. Cannabinoids could be THC, CBD, or other minor cannabinoids as well. And they're geared to be for both the B2B market as ingredients or you know, as the B2C marketplace. So it could be added, for instance, to water for immediate consumption, or even some products are now direct to tongue. Keith, can you tell us a little bit about how these powders are made? Is there a specific process or type of equipment that you that is used? Yeah, absolutely. The, the process really breaks down to a couple main categories. To be a water-soluble powder, cannabinoids are typically predispersed in a carry oil, something like an MCT oil is widely used. The cannabinoids plus carry oils are then go through a process where they are homogenized, or they're actually first emulsified with an emulsifier, then homogenized, broken down to tiny particle size, and then go undergo a drying step. And Typically, the drying step in the marketplace is spray drying. Uh, another thing that's also very typically added to these, these products is an excipient, and usually the most popular excipient used in the marketplace is maltodextrins. 
So what are some of the applications for these powders? What, what do food manufacturers need to know about the sort of possibilities that are now available with, with these ingredients? Yeah, ready to mix powders, for example, is a natural fit. So if you have, uh, say, a protein powder, you want to add CBD to it. So you add protein powder plus CBD is really a really good fit for these applications. But the applications can vary quite a bit. You can get like capsules is a good application, tablets, uh, even baked products and bars could all be applications for it. Coffee shops have been requesting powdered CBD formats. And even some cases, they've looked into uh, ready-to-drink beverages as other formats. But I'll say the bullseye, really, ready-to-mix powders is really a natural application for it. So how did Caliper go about developing its cannabis powder? What were some qualities or attributes you were trying to hit in that development process? We really want to hit three things. We want to have a consistent product that had a very stable emulsion. We really would drive it for cold water solubility. So we actually started on this process five years ago. And the process we started was an extremely basic process that really relied on um, kitchen-sized drying ovens, like if you're going to make beef jerky. That's where, that's where we started from, and really a good small scale to really learn formulation and learn process, um, and then take these learnings. And now we scaled it up to actually... Um, you know, obviously a much more sophisticated process that really does control for consistency, stability, and cold water solubility. Why uh, we, we also, and John, on it, we also, I mean, we feel part of this control that we like is, um, you know, temperature control is critical. Particle size is critical as is port uh, particle size, particle morphology is also critical. So the actual surface structure all these things matter when you really drive a product that's very flowable, very consistent, and has really drives cold water solubility. Could you tell us a little bit about why cold water solubility was such an important part of your development process? We want a product that was portable and convenient, and we found a lot of our consumers want products that are on the go. So they want, and, and people want something that's easy to work with. And we found a lot of the other products in the marketplace at that point were very scant, but we saw that as an opportunity where the other products were just struggling to dissolve even in hot products, let alone cold products. So we saw that as an opportunity to really upscale the product design to better meet consumers' you know, expectations. So how did Caliper go about assessing the flowability of the powdered product and um did you, was it tested in specific types of process equipment or did you just sort of characterize the material or what sort of work went into flowability? Yeah. So the flowability is, it really is several, there's a multitude of factors that contribute to flowability. Um, the test actually is very simple. I, I actually, we like to use something like the Hausner ratio because it's really easy to measure packed densities versus unpacked very simple QC check. There's a million other tests you can use, many other tests you can use, such as, you know, uh, angle repose and a lot of others that are a little bit more sophisticated. But we like that because then you get an index. So, you know, the housing ratio will give you an index for flowability. But that's a that's a lagging indicator for the product that's going out in the marketplace. So very good for QC checks. But really upstream is really you really want to control and design a process so you get very good flowability. And and it's it's a multitude of variables to, to be in the design phase that really drives it. So for example, 
how you control your particle size distribution is a major factor. If you have a lot of small particles and like fines, for example, that's going to drive down your flowability. If you find that you have uh, an emulsion that tends to be looser, so it's not a really tight, solid emulsion, that's going to drive stickiness, if you will. If you don't have good control of your water activity, that's actually going to be a lot, a big factor too. And maybe many, many people will gravitate towards moisture content. It's really AW. It's your water activity that really tells the story what's going on in the food system. So you really want to have really tight control on that as well. You, you look at just your formulation as a whole. You know, what, what emulsifiers you're using? How much CBD are you encapsulating? So as you tend to get higher levels of capsule or encapsulated CBD, you tend to get less flowability and also less solubility. Your excipient is another big factor. So if you really... And it's a double-edged sword. If you really want to create an excipient or a product that's really, really water-soluble, it also gets a little bit more sensitive to uh, humidity in the environment, whether in manufacturing or even consumer's use. So again, it's, it's a multitude of factors that we bring together that when you measure your lagging or your lagging indicator, your QC checks for flowability, those all have to be in place upstream in the process. So when you go outstream, you you're, you become a very predictable measurement. And that's what people will see on the tech specs. So technical specifications, when you go to B2B, for example, you'll see the physical characteristics such as bulk density. You'll see the flow characteristics. You know, you'll see the color and uh, particle size analysis. So kind of a longer win answer, but yeah, there's many, there's many things behind the scenes to make a, a very consistent flowable powder. So what do food manufacturers need to know about incorporating calipers powders into their existing processes? Are there any sort of challenges to, to going about that? Yes, there's always going to be challenges if you really want to have a, a process, especially a, a high scale process that's very predictable and very tightly controlled. It, de it depends on the formula you're putting into. So for example, ready to mix products which again, I feel is one of the bullseyes. So if you want to, again, protein powder plus CBD, um, at the manufacturer level, these things should blend very well, but you also have to make sure you harmonize or account for different bulk densities in the blending process and filling process. So you'll see with some scale of processes, if you blend way upscale in your process, and then you go through a lot of um, longer uh, distributions in the factory before it actually goes into filling. They've got a lot of vibration. If you see a particle size density difference between the different products coming together into the container, you will see stratification. And anytime you see stratification, then you don't have the homogeneity that you need. And obviously, if you're creating a product, you want it to be very homogenous to consumers. You want that. That's the level of predictability. So if you say it's 20 milligrams of CBD per serving, that entire container has got 100 servings in it has to be able to have an homogeneous mixture coming through to it. So those are things that from a manufacturer standpoint, you need to keep in mind, but we formulate the product to be very flowable and very readily mixed. So it's meant to be a drop in, if you will, to those type of processes. If you're making uh, energy bars, for example, that should flow in very well in the mixing process. So if you're adding other dry powders with your mixing process, it should go in quite well. Capsules, capsules is an interesting one because if you're flowing, if you want a high-speed capsule operate, um, operation, you need something that's very flowable throughout. And, you know, it's never one size fits all. So your same formula to go to ready to mix probably is not the same formula that you want to go for a capsule. You probably want something that is, is less hydroscopic and flows better at high-speed operations. For something like um, tablets, you have to look at compressibility. 
factors, right? So part of granule size distribution will matter how I get for the packing arrangement to create tablets. And ready to drink, you know, ready to drink beverages, you have to create an emulsion that's a very different characteristics than immediate consumption. Immediate consumption, you could put into water or juices and you're drinking with a matter of hours. So emulsion stability is a different needs than if you're creating a product that's ready to drink, you put it in and you have to go through thermal processing. Now it has to be able to sit on the shelf anywhere for six months to 12 months and still have a stable emulsion. So those are things that, again, it's never one size fits all. So if you're creating a powder, it ultimately is what your end product to create the product for, to make sure it's stable and usable and uh, workable for manufacturers. So do you or other members of your team work with um, any of these manufacturers to sort of go through these issues and resolve them? We do. And that actually tends to be the, by far and away, the best working relationships, especially for B2B early in a design phase to work through what scale up looks like. And so far it's worked out actually very well. So what, uh, in your view, is on the horizon for this product category? Do you envision it becoming a more um, important part of food and beverage or edibles manufacturing? Um, are there any kind of barriers to adopting this particular ingredient? So the barriers is a very interesting question. Uh, we, we look at where CBD has come from in the last couple of years. And we we'll almost say that first, so a lot of first round of CBD products may not work as well consumers expected. And some of the barriers were, you know, typically CBD in its fat-based format, if you look at the pharmacokinetics, is tends to be either slower absorbed or lesser absorbed. So it's times that consumers may not have been getting the, the relief that they were looking for. So a lot of times consumers are using CBD for pain, relaxation, even to a certain extent, anti-anxiety. And if you're not getting the benefit immediately, you may not get the repeat. You're not going to repeat purchase. So I think that's a barrier in the industry to making sure that the products are actually doing what they're claiming to do. And, it, and they're not overstating claims and they're being true to consumer benefits that, that need to be achieved. So I think that's the first part of it. And, and part of that is because you know you, you have an environment where when the Farm Bill passed in 2018, it regulated a supply chain, the so supply side of the equation with the Farm Bill for, for hemp. What it didn't regulate is the consumer side of it. And by leaving that as a gap, the regulation has been relatively loose for what we'd ex would expect in, in, to the food industry, yeah, for more mature industries. And with that, you we're seeing many companies that are making very bold claims for health and wellness, but the science just is not there yet. And nor is the um, regu regulatory bodies to govern that. So I think that's part of the industry that needs to become more mature and be more, I think, true to consumers on claims and benefits and expectations. The second part where I believe the industry is going to be moving towards is its cannabinoids plus other benefits. So, you know, a term it, you use the term bolt on. So if you're looking for relaxation, is it CBD plus magnesium and other, you know, chamomile, for example. So I think you're going to continue to see that the marketplace grow in, into that area. And I think you're also going to see, you know, the, the price of the cost of CBD as a raw material has dropped tremendously over the last year or two. So with that, I think it's also going to enable procs that deliver higher doses. 
So right now you see a, a norm around 20-ish milligrams, 25 milligrams per dose. I think you'll see a trend for higher level doses too to consumers. One other thing I wanted to ask you is, do you envision that you'll release other cannabinoid powders, maybe um, Delta-8 or um, THC, or is it is it pretty much CBD is where the market's at right now? We have two separate business units. We have our THC side of the business, which has THC powders, so direct-to-consumer powders. And then on our CBD side of the business, or, or hemp side of the business, we have products that are CBD based. We also have products that are CBD plus other minor cannabinoids such as CBG based. Something like Delta-8, we're staying away from. There, there is some controversy to it and it depends on who you talk to. Is this something that is a trend in the marketplace or is this something that's more of a fad? Ultimately, we want to put our energy in where we think we have longer term plays in the market to consumers. And go after the the longer term trends or something that may can be a fad or maybe change the regulations very quickly. Because right now it's coming in on, on a bit of a loophole for Delta 8 and Delta 10. I'm Keith Wolfel, Director of R&D at Caliper Foods. Wolfel. Thank you to Caliper Foods for sharing some of their insights on their innovations in the ingredient space. To learn more about the company, its products, or cannabinoid powders in general, visit caliperingredients.life. I'm John Forrester, and that's it for this episode of Particulate Matters. Please visit PowderBulkSolids.com for more podcast episodes, industry news, information on the latest processing and handling equipment and solutions, trends, and more.